Worldwide Youth Radio. Hello and welcome to this episode of Youth Talk, brought to you by Kids Count UK and the Worldwide Youth Radio. This is the show and podcast that discusses big issues facing young people in today's world. If you would like to find out more about us or join our youth panel, visit our website at worldwideyouthradio.com or follow us on Twitter at www.youthradio and on Instagram at Worldwide Youth Radio. Worldwide Youth Radio. On today's episode of Youth Talk, we are discussing sexual assault and in particular towards women. I'm sure you're all aware of the tragic news of the kidnap and murder of Sarah Everard. A serving Met police officer has since been charged for the crime. The 33-year-old's body was found in Woodland near Kent more than a week after she was last spotted on the 3rd of March when she disappeared after walking home in South London. The tragic event has sparked an outcry of grief, anger and a call for change to the issue of sexual harassment in the interview. Uh, In an interview to Sky News, a victim of sexual assault says Sarah Everard's death could be a catalyst for change for women's safety. In this podcast, we will be discussing why sexual harassment is still an issue. Before we move on to the discussion, I would like to explain what sexual harassment is. It is the unwanted behaviour of a sexual nature. It can happen to men, women and people of any gender or sexual orientation. It can be carried out by anyone of the same sex, opposite sex and anyone of any gender. So in short, it can be carried out by anyone and can affect anyone. Some examples of sexual harassment include flirting, making sexual remarks about someone's body, clothing or appearance, asking questions about someone's sex life, touching someone against their will, for example, hugging them, and this can all lead to sexual assault or rape. I will will repeat this at the end of the podcast, but if you are listening and need help relating to sexual harassment or abuse, you can contact a voluntary organisation such as Women's Aid, Victim Support, the Survivors Trust, or Survivors UK for male victims of sexual assault. The 24-hour free phone for National Domestic Abuse Helpline run by Refuge is on 0808 2000 247 and the Rape Crisis National Free Phone Helpline is on 0808 802 9999 and that is run between 12 and 2.30pm and 7 and 9.30pm every day of the year. And if it is an emergency, please call 999. So we are discussing sexual harassment on today's show and we will welcome our youth panel. Tonight we are joined by Zena, Ellie and Maria on the show. Before we discuss about sexual assault, I would like to reflect on the tragic offence of Sarah Everard's murder. Um, Zena, how, how has the events impacted you? How, what's it made you think? So, sorry, I couldn't hear that. Do you mind repeating that? Sorry, yes, sorry, Zena. Um, how are the events of the tragic events of Sarah Everard, how has that made you feel? Obviously, it's very, you know, tragic. That's all I can say, really. And it, I don't know if I should say it was shocking or not, because I think, you know, misogyny is rampant in society. So I'm not like super shocked, which I think is the sad part. Um, and I think a lot of women will relate 
to that feeling um you know these things are so widespread and i'm you know it's sad that it's taken something so horrible like this to kind of spark pu public outrage you say you're not shocked so why is why is there such an outcry at the moment after sarah everard's death what is it particularly about this case I just think it's the fact that, you know, normally women that, oh, these horrible things that happen, it's often, often the woman is blamed. They're like, oh, like she was out drinking or she's wearing this or she didn't, you know, she wasn't on the phone, she didn't have earphones in. But in this case, you know, she was, according to what, what people might say, she's seen everything right, not that you know, there isn't a right way to do things. But she was taking all the precautions and it just kind of proves that no matter what you do, no matter what you wear, what, if you whether you're sober or not, you know, what time it is, these things can happen. I think it was reported she was wearing like trainers to, you know, um, ensure that she could run away quickly if needed to. And I think she texted her boyfriend and things like that. And I think it's just the idea, I think in the media often women are like, victims of this kind of crime are often portrayed as I guess helpless and like it's their fault they're often blamed and I think for once the media is actually I guess sympathizing and I mean obviously there are horrible like trolls online and I've seen really nasty comments which have been really upsetting for me to read um but I think it's just and I think it's just, I think people are shocked because she wasn't doing anything that they would perceive as wrong. I, not that, you know, I think there's a wrong way to be, be or act, but there's nothing you can criticise really about her. She did nothing wrong. She was just at a friend's house. You know, she didn't. So I think that's the shocking element. And also the fact that obviously it was a police officer himself is mm. also I think that just you know you can just I think that just represents misogyny it kind of is so embedded in the metropolitan police um I think we all know that racism is probably you know quite heavily embedded into the police system in our country but I think this just proves that misogyny is as well if anyone needed you know <laughs> like proof and I think that's a shame and hopefully this can be used to, I guess, shame the police force for what they've enabled, really. I'm, I don't know if that's all right to say, but I think I, I think that there are so many, I th I've seen so many like graphs online and stats from reputable sources showing like the amount of the things that police officers have done themselves could be rape, murder, you know, like, theft and the sentences they get obviously you know it's just it just um is reflective of the, on the inside and i think that extends to um gender-based violence so you made some big accusations there against uh metropolitan police would you say it yeah is, would you say it's just the metropolitan police because you talked about institu being institutionally um institutionally racist is that the same across all police forces in your opinion across the country 
Or do you think there's an issue with the Metropolitan Police itself? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I think, well, I would say that maybe more so up, like in the Northern Forces because there's less, like I'm a Northern kind of, and I, I did live in London for a little bit but I was too young to rent but but you know you see all of these racially motivated there are so many things that I think would signify institutional racism and sexism in London but I think there are so many cases not that I can think of at the top off the top of my head which isn't very useful but I think it happens all across the country really and the Metropolitan Police I think that's the first police force you think of because obviously London is the capital people think of that when they think of England the policing forces you don't think of the tiny station in North Wales, like you think of London and the Metropolitan Police to represent the whole of, you know, um, the country, which, you know, might not be um, the right thing to do, but I do think they've got the responsibility to uphold certain values. And I think a lot of people will have lost, I think the, I think trust in the police isn't the highest anyway amongst ethnic minorities, but I think this will kind of show women like, um, even white women that like you know no one is safe um, yeah thank you very much Sina and I would like to welcome on to the show Maria she is a student at the University of Lancaster or Lancaster University can't remember which way around it is and uh, this is her first time here on Youth Talk um, Maria why why is the event so tragic what does it mean to you about Sarah Everard I think the case of Sarah Everard, the reason why things have suddenly exploded, there are lots of different reasons for it, but I think one of them in particular that stands out for me is the current situation we're in, the COVID-19 pandemic. You have to think that walking and going outside is one of the only liberties we have at the moment. And so for a woman to be outside walking and vanish and be brutally murdered that is really just taking away the only freedom we have at the moment and I think that's definitely a large part of the outcry but I also think it's you know the case of Sarah is unbelievably tragic but for me personally I'm just so angry that you know it takes a woman to be murdered and you know it takes a white woman to be murdered not necessarily a woman of colour or um, a different ethnic minority where, you know, things like this happen disproportionately too. And it takes it to happen now for everyone to suddenly go into uproar about it when realistically this is systematically embedded in society and it has been for decades. And I think one of the reasons why I'm very upset and shocked about it is that I just don't understand why we're still needing to have this conversation. I don't understand why things like sexual harassment and systematic violence against women are considered and perceived as normal in society. And that's exactly what we are talking about today. Why are we still having those conversations? Thank you much, very much there, uh, Maria, for your thoughts. And finally, uh, Ellie. Uh, Ellie's from Royal Holloway uh, down in London. And Ellie, why... Has it taken the case for Sarah Everard to be such a, to be such an outcry from the nation for everyone to be talking about it? Because let's face it, this isn't the first case to ever happen. 
there's been plenty. Why is it? What what is it about this case in particular? Um, I think it's an interesting. It kind of links on to what both Zena and Maria have said, actually, and kind of the idea that because we're in the middle of a pandemic as well, um, it's kind of these news stories that are very powerful and poignant and need to be spoken about. But I think in a normal everyday world, when there isn't a COVID pandemic, there's a lot more going on, and twenty four hour news is like that. It's constantly changing. But I think the thing with the Sarah Everard case, because it is so shocking and so revealing about society, um, but it's and it's com- it's something that happens whether you're in a pandemic or out of a pandemic. It's just I think we've now got the time to really think about it. And I remember I came home last week when this first happened and had a chat with my housemate about it, and we were just breaking it down, kind of what we th- were thinking about it, what the what if we've kind of had a what we've kind of experienced in our lives or what we've seen or we've heard. And actually, it was kind of like, hang on a minute, we've just taken this for granted or just thought it was normal. We never thought to question it. It was just kind of part of our upbringing. Um, that's kind of like this sort of thing happens. Look after yourself. Make sure you don't walk around with your headphones in. Make sure you've got your keys accessible if you need to. If you can run, then that's good. Don't get yourself too drunk so you can't look after yourself. Um, I mean, that obviously, is a common sense one anyway, but it's kind of like, there were these things that we were taught from a very young age that I'd never even questioned and just being catcalled or someone driving past and whistling out of a van window and just kind of feeling there isn't really isn't really a way to describe what that's like to kind of what that feels like but it I think it's just something that was so ingrained in society that you would just say oh for god's sake why like and just let it go and it was just a pop like basic not quite daily occurrence but it was kind of like it happened regularly enough that you just brushed it off and I think a lot of people are in the same boat suddenly going hang on a minute that's actually not right and we shouldn't have to live with that and I think it goes it's a kind of a mixture of not only educating people to be like hang on a minute this is not right we need to be challenging this we need to be educating particularly I think from a younger age as well I don't remember much of this being spoken about at school um and just kind of in society as a whole it's a conversation that has been long neglected and really needs to kind of come to the surface again and thank god we've kind of got this time now and these moments to reflect on this whilst it's been a horrific event a very tragic loss it's kind of started this discussion which is really needed thank you ellie there for those views all comments you have heard today are individual views and do not reflect the views of worldwide youth radio in any way now moving on to our main topic tonight why is sexual harassment still an issue i feel like we've just talked about there we all know it's wrong we all know Sexual harassment is an issue and it shouldn't take place. And we are all shocked it is still taking place in today's society. But why? Why is sexual harassment still an issue? I'm going to ask our youth panel this. Zena, I'm going to come back to you first. <laughs> um, why Why do you think it's still an issue? Big question that. I think um, and I would echo a lot of what both Maria and Ellie have said. I think, you know, both insightful contributions. I think... I think misogyny is just embedded in our society and this is kind of, I guess, a wake-up call for people. You know, you can't get away with this for much longer. Like Ellie said, you don't get taught at school, you know. Um, we, I like you say, Gabe, like, it's common sense and you and I think that, you know, I like to think we're decent people, but it seems that not everyone thinks that way because obviously it is occurring. So I think at times people think it's stating the obvious to not sexually assault 
or rape someone, which, you know, should be the case, but statistics um, would suggest otherwise. And like you said, Ellie, I think the fact that we've never really questioned it, like, oh, like there are weird men outside, like um, on the streets, like it, it ha- it's a shame, but you know, you either complain or it happens to you kind of thing. Like it's always the woman that's, um, it's never the man that is held accountable, I feel. And I think that's something that we need to change. And hopefully, as tragic as this is, hopefully this is, you know, in lockdown, like it, like Ellie mentioned, we've got time to think about these things and hopefully a generational shift will occur. Um, because, you know, a woman should not have to be murdered for this to happen. And education would definitely be, I think education, the lack of education, should I say, is probably a leading contributor. We are going to talk about how we can reduce sexual assault later in the podcast. And I think we've already talked about some really key uh, points on education and holding men to account. And we will touch on those later. So don't think we are avoiding those. Um, But I want to um, go to Maria, picking up from what Zina said about not never questioning never questioning abuse never questioning harassment i mean i'm sure people do question it but as you know saying not questioning the man on the street the man in the white van why why are people not questioning it do you think maria why is it not happening i wish i had an answer to that to be honest with you um i think i think you know education plays into this in so many different levels but on, in, in relation to this, I think we don't question it because we're brought up not to. We're told that it's normal, that it's normalised in society. And therefore, we don't question it because we assume as a woman, it's not safe to go out at night. We could get hurt. Something could happen. And that is absolutely awful when you think of it like that. But um, yes, I, I don't I don't really know what to say why you know it is perceived that way and and you know I think it's it's one of those things that it, it it's just been around for so long that parents and older generations wouldn't think of teaching their children and as Zena said potentially when you know we're having children we'll be able to raise awareness and teach our own children this but I think for older generations for whom you know they they face the same problems, but it perhaps wasn't as much of a culture to speak out about it. Um, that wasn't really taught. You know, I've had quite a lot of discussions with um, my parents. Um, you know, having similar things when they were our age, but our views on how to react to them are very different. You know, I'm very um, angry and responsive, but my parents are very much just like you know that's what happens. I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah, I think it all in many different ways comes down to the education or lack of that we, we have in society. Do you think it's a so, it's just something now that's become ingrained and acceptable in society? Yeah, um, but I think at the same time, we also have a culture. I mean, we all know it's there. And I think... Now, you know, one of the the good things about everything coming out now is people are questioning it. But as well as people not being told about it, there is this culture of denial or a culture of reduction. The fact that we 
say things like oh boys be boys you know just let them get on with that you know it's it's we know it's there and we're rather than acknowledging it we're you know inherently making excuses that have just been given um so i think that's definitely a part of it as well um and where those came from i don't know but we really need to sort them out and stop using them um and uh ellie why why do you think it's still an issue in your opinion why is sexual harassment still ingrained into society why are boys still being boys as maria just said um it's a very hard question to answer i do know i do know (laughs) i wish again i had an answer for that i think it also goes back to i'm just thinking back to our education and our schooling days and like maria said that that there are generation well zina said it's our generational divides and reactions that change but I think I'm thinking back to just our schooling. So what, 10 years ago, yeah, 10, 15 years ago, around about that time. And just some of the things that the boys would get away with at school um, in terms of just mucking around or being rude. Or I remember there was a what whole sort thing of, about... What sort of things? Just to... So things, there was, I remember there was a couple of incidents in terms of, I think it was skirts or something. And it was because like in, I remember there was a big thing that like he basically got a different skirt in year 10 um and because it was supposed to be more grown-up skirts but and it became this debate because you're not supposed to roll up the skirt and then it was this whole thing about kind of dressing smartly but then like not showing shoulders so Mm. that was the one that always got me is like we weren't allowed to wear things that showed our shoulders because apparently it made or was it male teachers uncomfortable or something I think that was the phrase they went with and Maria might be able to correct, correct me on that but I'm pretty sure it was like something like that um and I never got it and we challenged it quite a few times being like what is the problem with my shoulders like I don't get it why are you calling me up for this um and it was just and it was things like that that so you've got that on kind of women and being criticized for that and I'm aware that sometimes and kind of the outfit being blamed is kind of misleading people and kind of giving it's kind of not being giving people permission to act a certain way but kind of like the phrase they're asking for it and it's just like that's the fact that that was even a phrase just says it all I think it's kind of like that was kind of a mentality that went with it and I think just kind of I remember there was a boys group chat at my school that we weren't supposed to know about and it's like you see these things in films where it's like the burn book in Mean Girls or like something like that where it's like being horrible about the girls in their year um or being kind of making sexual comments about them behind their backs and it was like we didn't find out about this until I think probably the end of year 11 and then the school found out about it so it got sorted but that was like five years that had been going on just for my year I dread to think what else was going on um and it's just like things that and it's not I know it's not just guys I know girls can be particularly bad as well in different senses but it did seem to be like from the female perspective it did seem to be very much more like sexualized towards women and that Mm. kind of be a bit more of an issue in terms of kind of like just walking walking home from school or whatever it just it kind of even and also being like if there was a group of guys behind you and you were walking home by yourself or like with one other female friend I never felt safe and that doesn't make sense because they're like they're guys our age like I'm sure they wouldn't have done anything but it was just kind of that ingrained mindset of walk a bit faster or where are your keys 
um, or if you could hear them laughing or shouting or if they were like saying something sometimes they would say comments but it's kind of like most of the time they wouldn't but it was just kind of that idea of what if and I think it was just it's kind of summarizing what Zena and Maria were just saying kind of it's very ingrained and it's very it's a fear thing as well and because it's fear driven that makes people react in different ways and I think that's kind of this big outcry the last week has shown that as well is it's really shown that there's been in this ingrained fear in the female population for a very long time. It's just never been addressed because it's that it's not quite a taboo topic, but it's just not spoken about. Um, and I think that's just added to the issue, really. Do you think popular culture plays a part in how this is ingrained into society? Mm. I don't know. I can't think of examples off the top of my yeah. head, but if you, I'm sure if you watched any tv program literally just thinking you could find something and it's not even tv shows and films is it i don't know dating apps tinder Mm -hmm. i can't think of any others off the top of my head but i'm sure there is others for (laughs) legal reasons but do you think do you think they all play a part into why sexual harassment is still a thing is it just snow is it just a snowball yeah and i think social media hasn't really helped with it either because they can now like I mean, again, women do this as well. I don't want to be completely anti-men, but it's kind of like, particularly, for example, from a female perspective, they can say something over social media and get away with it because it's like they're not saying it to your face. Yeah. So it's suddenly, it's a very different dynamic. So being catcalled by a van driver, again, they're driving on, so that you're not going to be able to get to them anyway and like call them out on it. And also you wouldn't, you're scared. Like you, That's just common sense. But I think social media has made it worse because these unseen people can have a pop at you or kind of make a comment about your life or your lifestyle choices um, or even kind of sexualize you through social media um, and get away with it. Because it's just like there is no policing really on social media and it's like because it's self-policed. And whilst freedom of speech is wonderful, and I'm really kind of a big advocate for that, there is also kind of, there is kind of social what what's appropriate i think is the way i would put it it's like what is appropriate to be said what shouldn't be said um and what sh- what is currently normalized that shouldn't be and i think this is one of those issues that kind of walks that line at the moment that is like people haven't addressed it but it happens much more frequently than people will admit um i think some of the stuff you just said then ellie really relates back and reminds me of our discussion we had a few podcasts back on fake news and I think we talk a lot about that's what the phrase Ellie coined there self-policing and we talked a lot about that on that podcast so if you would like to hear more about that do go and visit that other podcast which is available obviously where you're listening to this right now uh, I'm just going to go back to Maria quickly I think this is something everyone's always said to the question is why sexual harassment is still an issue and I think you guys have said it's hard to pinpoint why and do you think the issue is is we don't know why it is still an issue, and that is the issue why it is still an issue. No, I think we we know why it's an issue. I think the problem is it's very hard to get at something. It's it's like you have to think sexual harassment and misogyny and stuff. It's a weed, and it has been in society, and it's grown in all the cracks, and you can pick it up at different points, but it just keeps growing, it keeps coming back and you are never going to get it properly unless you really dig in and get out the roots. And I think because the roots are so deeply ingrained, 
and actually confronting those is you know going to go against a lot of institutional practices and ideologies prevalent in society that's what's difficult and because people aren't willing or don't know how to confront those without you know becoming really radical say that's why it's hard I think you know we'd have to we see things, uh, you know, laws changing, things becoming more progressive, and those are good steps. But unless we really think, okay, what is every single instance this happens, pinpoint it and then address it, um, that's how it will go away. But because it's so spread everywhere, that's why it's difficult to to get rid of, I believe. Um, thank you very much, Demaria. And Zena, before we move on to... Um... Uh, about how we can protect this. Why why do men commit these crimes? I know it's a hard question to ask. And I know, for those listening, I know it's not just men. In a few cases, I know women and other genders do, do commit these crimes. But it is, the majority of the time, men committing sexual harassment. Why is it men, not women? I think a lot of what has already been said is um, true. I think... You know, misogyny is so embedded in our society. I was just having a look at my... The other day, I was in the shower listening to my 90s playlist. And I can't remember what song it is, annoyingly. But it was like, the lyrics were so... Obviously, a lot of music, a lot of hip-hop is sexualized, But it was like completely removing the woman's agency. And I was like, I should probably turn this song off. But there's so many examples of just things like that. Like music that, you know, you passively might listen to. And you might, you know, you might not think you're focusing on like the lyrics or anything, but they actually are quite entitled to. I think there are so many things that encourage male entitlements to female bodies, whether it's music, yes. you know, social media, um, or TV shows, especially. Even looking back 10, 20 years ago, like I think it was a different time with what, um, you know, I guess it was more regressive. That's the word. Um, even you know, like movies like Mean Girls or Legally Blonde, there are just so many stereotypes in there that mm. kind of encourage um, young men, young impressionable men. And I mean, for the re- the reason why they do it, so I'd say, you know, misogyny is like very embedded in society, um, even if it's not as blatant as before, which I, I don't even think that is the case. I think it's still, you know, clearly um, problematic. But I'd say, you know, people often say that rape and sexual assault is a crime of power, not even, it's not about obviously respect or attraction to someone. It's just power. And I think that kind of reveals a lot about our society. The fact that I guess certain groups of people are more privileged and, you know, men tend to be one of those groups and they maintain power by, I guess, removing in most cases, female agency, not to say that men can't be victims victims of it. But I, so, I suppose it kind of just reflects the power dynamics in society. So you've got certain groups, you know, maybe white straight men at the, with more power or yeah. white middle class men, whatever black female, black trans female at the bottom in terms of, you know, a status. And I think crimes like this really perpetuate... Um, I think they, I think they just reflect people's 
unconscious bias maybe and I think they just want to maintain the status quo so I don't know if that makes sense but no, it does. It does. Um, very quickly, because I do want to move on. But remember going back to the protests of Black Lives Matter last year and a lot of discussions took place after that. And I think a lot of social change and change also happened in popular culture. We saw TV shows such as Little Britain, Come Fly With Me, being taken off Netflix, being taken off taken off streaming services. So what you were saying there, Cena, you were saying that it is ingrained into movies like Mean Girls. Are we going to see a similar sort of thing now happen with these like, movies like that being removed? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I was just thinking of, um, oh, what was that show? They had blackface. Was it Little Britain? It Am I thinking of Come Little- Fly With but they both did, to be honest. They did both. Yeah, and I think a lot of, I think, you know, rightly so, those shows are moved. So, I it, mean, yeah. controversial people. I mean, it wasn't just, it wasn't just, I don't want to um, say all of them. I do know quite a few examples, but I don't I don't want people to think it was just Little Britain and Come Fly With Me. No. It was not, a lot. Of, in yeah. the early noughties, there was a lot. There was a lot of programmes. No, yeah, you're right. Um I should make that clear. A lot of TV shows were removed from, mm. I think Netflix or just. Everything they everywhere, felt. Everywhere, yeah. Everything, yes. They, I think those corporations just they want to have like a clean image, and they don't want. I guess they felt pressure from minorities and other people to kind of stop. And I think, yeah, I think that's really. Um, I think that's good foresight. I think that will happen with movies that we perceive as sexist. I think a lot of like you know them like chick flicks from like the 2000s <laughs> yeah. like apart from yeah those movies i think there's a lot of you know a lot of misogyny in um those movies and i think they will be removed and it is very sad that it's taken a murder of a woman you know like a just a decent person just to provoke these changes mm. But I suppose it's a good sign that people are, I think, as it, like Ellie was saying, take, allowing us to take a step back and think and hopefully prevent some of the socialisation from an early age, um, this misogynistic type. Cool, thank you. If you would like to have your say on today's discussion, send us a message at www.worldwideyouthradio.com forward slash contact. In a survey conducted by United Nations Women, which is a global organisation working towards gender equality, they found that out of 1,000 women surveyed, 97% of women aged between 18 and 24 had faced sexual harassment which is a harrowing statistic. And I can certainly say, talking to many women, that this statistic is definitely accurate. Is there enough protection then for women against sexual harassment? With 97% of women saying they have been victim to this crime. Um, Ellie, is there enough protection? Uh, I think no would be the straight answer to that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think this is the problem as well, because how do we define protection to this? And also, good point. I think there's two sides to this. A, there's protection for those who it's happened to and who suffer from 
the kind of repercussions, both emotional and physical. And just, I think it was something that someone said to me recently that was kind of like, it stays with you and it has a really long, like to be fair, a lot of emotional abuses and traumas do, but it's a lifelong potentially change for you. And it's a different kind of life you have to get used to and look at the world in a different way. So it's helping those people, whether that's through rape crisis centers or helplines or just helping them adjust to a new normal. But there's also prevention as well. And that's that's kind of the other side of it is trying to make sure that we don't have these like ridiculous number of cases. So there was an interesting one actually um, on the BBC yesterday. They were doing a load of stats. And between, I think it was March 2019 and March 2020, 207 women were killed in Great Britain. Um and the year before that, it was 241, which is the highest in the decade. Um, and between 2008 and 2018, it won, and there was one killing every three days. That was the stat. And I just, I couldn't believe it. It's a great read, actually. I really would encourage you. The BBC have done a fantastic article in terms of actually doing a lot of research into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was really interesting and quite scary was nine out of 10 of the killers were men. Um, and 57% of people were killed by someone they knew. Um, which again says a lot. Now, to be fair, there are stats on there about men as well, so I would definitely encourage having a look at those because, as we've already stated, it's not just it's not just a one sided. No, it's thing. not. No, no. But, um, but I think in terms of prevention as well, not only education, but knowing, allowing people to kind of know that that um, I think because we live in we still live in an unequal society in so many different ways, um, but kind of being like actually we need to make some changes here and they are going to be subconscious level almost changes it's like we've really got to play around with and really have those conversations with ourselves and our like friends and family um about what is going on how we're bringing up our kids and i think a lot of the stuff i was reading online actually was how to kind of educate your children to protect them against sexual abuse or emotional traumas and i think that was really interesting but i think the fact that it's not a world like it wasn't taught when we were younger and the fact that it was like there is obviously more information now as a lot of the articles were the last kind of three or four years but um but it was interesting it's kind of actually we need to make that more of part of the education system and also at, like university i don't think i've like we have sexual health week and like mm. um keeping um knowing how to look after yourself and keep yourself safe but it's also kind of like that's only part of it and it's not just the women's responsibility to keep herself safe it needs to be the men as well who need to be kind of being a held accountable but also going what do you think you're doing there like why do you think like that let's challenge that viewpoint where's that come from and actually just asking these questions and they're difficult and they're going to unearth some quite unpleasant truths for certain people but they need to be asked and they need to think about what people are actually feeling when they do something or say something and hopefully that will help people um and Maria, do you think sexual harassment, is it protected enough by the law? No. <laughs> um, I think one of the the main problems with this is it's very difficult to define what sexual harassment is. And there are so many different forms because, you know, at, at the horrific end, you know, we have things like sexual assault and rape. But then at the other end of the spectrum, you have someone commenting upon your outfit you know uh, a man beeping at you as he drives past and I think because you know there is a significant difference between both of these there I mean so there's not enough done for things like rape 
and sexual assault, which have, you know, long lasting implications are the, the worst things possible. And if there isn't enough done for those things, then there's absolutely nothing done for things at the other end of the spectrum, which just go completely unnoticed in day to day life. So I don't think the law is um, particularly good at protection um, from, you know, rape. And I think even things in legal proceedings, you know, trials to to even investigate rapes often um, almost precipitate and, and enhance the problem in the way that the woman or, you know, the person who's been assaulted is questioned. And I think just being taught how to, you know, appropriately talk to people who have had these horrible experiences and recognise what they're going through, that needs to be put into law and into legal practices to be able to actually give justice on both sides of the equation. No, you are totally right there about not. It, it's a it's a hard it's a hard line to draw. Where is it sexual harassment, or as you said, commenting on what someone's wearing? Couldn't it just be a compliment, and it could be taken as a compliment? But it's, it's I guess what you're saying. It's hard to draw that line from where it's a compliment to where it is harassment because. I think I think this is a really hard question to answer, but and I'm not going to ask it, Chief. But I'm thinking a lot of men listening to this podcast, and even I think women as well, will be saying, "Actually, hang on a minute, I like it when a man comments that what I'm wearing is nice." I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, if someone said it wasn't nice, I'm sure absolutely that's that's fair. But I think a lot of people would be thinking, well, "Why?" But I, but actually, I will. I will. Anyone want to answer that question? Why is it harassment for someone to say that? As Ellie, why is it harassment for someone to say you look nice? I think it depends how it's said. Mm. So um, if it's given as a compliment, it's normally fairly obvious it's a compliment, even for people who've got who are highly self-conscious. They can normally yeah. pick up that it's a compliment. Um, and normally it's not meant in kind of a there isn't an intent behind it. I think that's the difference. Yeah. Where with it's when there's harassment, there tends to be an intent, whether it's sexual, whether it's just kind of emotional manipulation whether they don't even realize they're doing it um which is also possible but i think there is definitely a difference in tone the way it's presented um and also the intent behind it as well and, and whether people will be willing to admit that is the interesting thing but i think i think that's the big difference really i it's just a comment i've heard a lot when i've been listening to po- other podcasts on this on um, radio phone-ins and that seems to be a lot of the issues men do seem to be facing and I say men I'm saying men as a generalization not all men Um, but let me go back to talking about the laws let me go through some of the laws on sexual harassment in the UK sex is one of the protected characteristics under the Equality Act 2010 and the law also protects employees and workers against sexual harassment but sexual harassment itself is not an offence under UK law, although rape and sexual assault are. And as we have just said, well, Maria rightly said, it is very hard to draw that line. Um, so what other ways can we protect society from sexual harassment and abuse? What do you think, um, Zena? How do we protect society from harassment and abuse if it's not by the law? Oh, that's a good question. I think a lot of the institutions that are meant to take care of us, like education, 
university schools included the police you know they have these problematic ideologies and i think for there to be you know like systematic change that like that actually um will make a difference i think the situ the institution sorry that we place our trust into need to change you know through various um I, I, how is a good question i i just think re-educating a lot of people i feel like i don't know i feel like a lot of this is going to be targeted at young people and children as soon as they get into schools but i feel like there's so many there's a lost generation of men that would just never because like you know like Afa mentioned like i was never taught mm. in i went to go to be fair but i was never taught about this kind of stuff and i'm sure like elian maybe maria you haven't probably haven't been you know taught this kind of stuff and i think there were loads of men um our age right now um maybe yourself like you at school weren't taught to i guess i don't want to speak for anyone else but i guess it's schooling is a big thing and i think there's a, a generation at least one generation a lot of them that haven't been taught these things yeah. and you know some people's parents are decent and they've done that for them but not everyone's are because of the embedded misogyny does it need to be inputted into the curriculum then yeah definitely yeah. i'd say like from reception to be honest like a very young age I mean, yeah. we. I mean, I guess we are all are born clean with no, with no sexism, no racism. So I guess getting that drilled in at an early age is the way forward. And I'm gonna go on to Ellie now. So there has been calls for a 6 p.m. curfew for men. Is this fair? Because surely this is just segregation. Yeah, this is an interesting one because I remember reading something about this and kind of going, hmm, um, just for a bit of context, because I'm a history student as well. So that came up with a lot of kind of, oh dear, um, because whenever that starts happening in any society, it never ends well. But um, but I think I can understand why some people might think that that is a solution, but I think it would just cause further tensions. Um, and I don't think it's right either, um, because as whilst I don't agree with kind of some of the arguments that go with the hashtag of all men that's been going around this week, it isn't all men, but we're also aware of that. Like women know that. Um, and they're aware that they've got friends and colleagues and family members who like would never even dream of doing it. Um, and most people like wouldn't, they're obviously like they're, the numbers are high, but they're not like it's, it's obviously there are people that don't do it. So so I don't think that's fair to impose something where we've got many decent men in the world. Um, you can't impose something like that on them and kind of then have this kind of separation in genders because we've literally spent years fighting for gender equality. And and the fact that particularly at the moment when it's kind of we're really trying to make sure that everyone, race, colour, whatever, is equal something like this, like an enforced segregation is not going to help. Um, and it would just make people defensive and angry and like even aggressive in some cases. And we don't want that. That would just make the issue worse. Um, so I, I don't agree with the curfew. Um, I'm sure other people would disagree with me on that. 
But um, does like, anyone on here disagree? Anyone think there should be a curfew? Yeah. <laughs> why, Zena, why do you think there should be a curfew at six pm? Why shouldn't? Why should I stay in? Why should I be inside now? I'm not, I know I'm, it's I'm, very controversial, yeah. Yeah. and like it sounds very radical feminist of me, but I feel like as much as I agree, agree with you, Ellie, I think there because say my maths isn't very good. Say there's like a million people in this country, which obviously there isn't, and like only like. 500,000 are the problem. Obviously, there's still a lot of people that are. Yeah, you know, a mass is horrible. Something like that. But um, even if it's only a tiny amount of the population, I think, I think it's worth, like, just because of the trauma that rape and sexual assault, it's like a lifelong thing, whereas for those men, it's probably just a two-minute thing that they've, or I don't know. But it's, it's just one action that they might not be even thought out. And whereas for the women often a woman not always obviously it's like a lifelong thing with loads of like psychological implications and i think to implement the curfew would limit that occurring and i think even if it just saves one woman i think that's more important than male freedom not gonna lie i know that's controversial (laughs) do you think it should be every day of the week i mean in an ideal world yeah because are there certain days where yeah yeah i don't know more prone to I don't know to be honest um I think we could carry on with this conversation and debate this for a long time but I I I almost feel like we should move this on to a different podcast and I'm not disagreeing with your views there um at all (laughs) well I'm I'm staying mutual on everything here (laughs) Um, I am presenting this after, after all. Anyway, uh, finally, I want to move on to Maria. The final question I'm going to ask you is, what about the police? After all, it was a policeman who committed the crime against Sarah Everard. Do the police need to play a bigger part in protecting society against sexual harassment and, in the worst cases, sexual abuse and rape? Yes, I, I, I think... Um, not only was, you know, the the murder of Sarah done by a police officer, but we've seen just this weekend the horrific scenes of um, the vigil held mm. in her memory being completely destroyed by police officers, um, not all of whom were men, um, but, you know, taking brutality when it absolutely wasn't necessary. Um, And I think that, you know, it forms the same part of the argument that um, the whole function of the police is to protect people in society. And what kind of society are we living in if the police don't do that? You know, this goes back to um, Black Lives Matter as well. You know, this was a very prevalent point raised last year that's still ongoing. Um, And we, we see here that there is a lot of racism and misogyny embedded in our forces of order who are supposed to, you know, help all of us, but they don't. So I think not only do the police need to, um, you know, have more training as such in how to avoid situations like this, but they need to, um, as like a, an overall collective body, they need to actually start embodying the values that they were created for in the 19th century. Um, you know, when the police were first started, they weren't um, particularly thought of very well because they didn't quite know what they were doing. 
and they weren't doing their job. But now it's almost the other end of the spectrum. They know what they should be doing, but they're not doing it, um, which is so much worse. Really interesting points to finish off there. With new youth board members, if you would like to join us, send us a message at www.worldwideyouthradio.com forward slash contact. For this episode of Youth Talk, we asked our followers on social media for their thoughts on the tragic event. For me, the story about Sarah is quite scary as Clapham isn't super far from where I live, so it really hits home. And it's upsetting that something like this had to happen for there to be more traction to the topic of sexual assault. Um, I've been seeing loads of posts about everyone highlighting the fact that she was wearing bright colours and she walked past the CCT camera and she was on the phone to her boyfriend and how she did all the right things and still this happened to her. But it makes me even more worried, the fact that people who don't do these things should be able to walk home without having to worry about being sexually assaulted. I've had conversations with my girlfriend, with my sisters about um, their experiences and things that have, and things that have affected them in the past uh, such as catcalling wolf whistling etc and mainly how it makes them feel and how it made them feel at the time and how it continues to make them feel when they go out in the street and i think after hearing those situations and after hearing how it makes people you love feel and people you know who you care about how how it affects their day-to-day life it sort of hits home a lot more I i can't tell you why it's still such an issue but in my personal case um I have learned a lot about how these things have made people I love feel. So I sort of understand things a bit more now when previously I, I, I couldn't tell you how it would have made people feel. Sexual harassment is still an issue because there is nothing put into place to protect women. And it's actually crazy to me how many men get away with sexual assault because usually you get asked, like, were there any witnesses? But obviously sexual assault usually happens when there are no witnesses. And then it always comes down to someone's word against the other. And in most cases, the person doesn't get prosecuted. And I feel like you need to go to the base of where all these laws are coming into and resolve that because none of these men are getting what they deserve. I don't believe there is enough protection for women and we will always have to be careful when we're out alone and this is the sad reality of society. Um, I've seen many boys my age reposting things and showing their support but the generations that aren't on social media aren't educating themselves and will just continue to do what they do. Now I'm generalising a lot here but my from my personal experience if i'm walking down the road i can get beat up by men in white vans and they're usually a lot older than my age and it's just such ingrained into society all of these issues so clearly in my opinion there's 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 clearly not enough protection for women at the moment uh, and if so many women have been you know been victims to these sorts of acts then clearly there isn't enough protection because there's not there's not a there's clearly nothing that's that's preventing people like stopping men or whoever it is from doing these things if there was you know laws put in place or or punishment for for these acts happening on the street then i I feel like there there would be some reductions in in these these cases happening definitely one way to protect society is make it not a taboo or make there not be a stigmatism around like speaking about it because I feel there's so many people who are affected by it but have been put down when they've gone to get help or things like that. So I feel like just having an open conversation is a way that we can protect society from it. 
there's just so many people out there who never reach out because they're just scared of the repercussions and it shouldn't be like that they should feel like they can speak about it and will get help in my opinion i think there's always going to be murderers out there there's always going to be sickos psychos that kidnap people that murder people i think no matter how much education you put out there unfortunately i feel like there's always going to be situations like this occurring um and no matter how much education i think i think unfortunately these things will always happen but i think there are ways to reduce these things um and as you highlighted 97 percent is extremely high i think if there are things that are put in place then this could definitely reduce this number drastically some interesting thoughts there from our followers on our social medias and that is all for today's podcast there are plenty of other factors we could talk about such as domestic abuse coercive control and child abuse but that is all for a different podcast and also do not forget that all of our podcasts are available online at www.worldwideyouthradio.com and also on your favorite podcast providers we are on twitter at wwyouthradio and on instagram worldwide youth radio do tell your friends about this podcast and share it on your socials as we would love to re- this to reach more people. Before I leave you, I would like to remind you of those helplines one more time. If you are listening and need help relating to sexual harassment or abuse, you can contact a voluntary organisation such as Women's Aid, Victim Support, the Survivors Trust or Survivors UK for male victims of sexual assault. The 24-hour free phone national domestic abuse helpline run by Refuge is on 0808 2000 247 and Rape Crisis national free phone helpline is on 0808 202 9999. That's run between 12 and 2.30pm and 7 and 9.30pm every day of the year. And if it is an emergency, please do contact 999. That's all for today. Thank you for our youth panel for coming on. Tonight we had Cena, Ellie and Maria. Until next time, stay safe and we will see you then. Worldwide Youth Radio.